Today, we are talking to Mark Flood, the CTO and founder of Origin, a company in the esports space. And we discuss identifying and bringing value into a market, the billion dollar growth of video games as a spectator sport, and how Gary V is sometimes my spirit animal. All of this right here, right now on the Modern CTO Podcast. Here we go. This is the Modern CTO Podcast. So you're going to be a platform that's going to allow people to sell their esports. Explain this. Yeah. So uh, if you're creating an esports organization, and, and sorry, I'm going to assume uh, you may or may not know much about the space as a whole, but I'll assume that there's at least some some knowledge there. But basically, if you're going to get into the the space and you're going to create an esports organization, it, it's really really hard. It's it's just basically like starting any other business and there's lots of aspects to it. So in theory, uh, if you wanted to start an organization, uh, you would be, uh, you know, recruiting players and competing events all across the country or all across the world. And that should be your, your prime focus. Unfortunately, there's a lot more to it than that. Uh, you have to engage with your fans. You have to create a website. You have to manage your social profiles. You have to create graphics. Um, you have to manage flights. Um, you have to manage sponsors. You have to do all of these other things besides the core competency and so the uh, over, overall premise for Origin is to take those things off the plate of, of people wanting to get into the space and to handle that for them. So um, we have our, our short-term plan, which, which gets us into the market um, and is really not that complex or sophisticated. And then, of course, um, over time, we've got our larger uh, long-term goals. Um, but, but in short, the idea is to um, allow someone to set up their esports organization, take a load off of their plate um, from having to deal with all of the other stuff. Um, and then um, so that's, that's one part of it, right? That's the organization side. Then the, the kind of link, the LinkedIn component, if you will, is for individual players. So um, it, whether you're a streamer or an actual competitive player, uh, you can kind of create your profile and have that be your home base, for lack of a better word, um, so that people can discover you. So, for example, if I own an esports team, I don't really have too many places I can currently go to to recruit players. Well, this this platform, if you're if you've already set up your team on it, it's going to be really, really easy for you to search and network with individual players to perhaps join your team. Likewise, if you're a sponsor looking to get exposure in the market via sponsoring uh, sponsoring players, you could also use our platform to, to browse um, through our network as well. Okay, so I'm trying to wrap my head around this esports thing. I'm going to give you some of my experience here. Uh, big gamer back, I don't know, 15 years ago, I was playing on Xbox Connect before Xbox Live, right? I don't know if you're familiar with yep. that, but we had all... Oh, yeah. Okay, cool, cool, cool. So I was I was in it back then, and then Xbox Live came out, and then I got on Team Compete, and I was playing Rainbow Six Three, Call of Duty, um, those types of games, and um, uh, yeah, I can't remember some of them, but man... They were, I'm sorry, this is nostalgia just happening to me. I'm at a loss for words. All of these things, I can still remember some of the maps of these games. It's like, oh, you got to hide behind the embassy. If you dig there, there's a glitch. Oh, so, so great. So all that's flooding my brain right now. 
but we would compete with each other in that fashion and team compete. And then eventually like way late to the game, Xbox actually came out with some sort of team management systems inside of some of their games where you could join clans and do all this stuff. Is this kind of what we're talking about? Like these teams of players? Uh, yes, to some degree. So uh, interestingly enough, I actually just gave a quick lunch and learn on, on the space as a whole, but in to, to sum it up is, uh, briefly as I can, basically what's happened is a uh, competitive scene has developed. Uh, there's lots of reasons for that, but the probably most important one is the proliferation of broadband internet. Um, and so now you're starting to see games be specifically made for competition, and then you're having leagues be created around them. Uh, and so most recently, um, that probably gets the most media attention is the Overwatch League. Um, have you have you heard of Overwatch? No. So Overwatch is an Activision Blizzard game. Um, mm-hmm. They launched it probably 18 months ago, and there's already a league in place for it. The game the game was built specifically for competition, and um, the franchises were sold for 20 million dollars a piece. I think there was like 17 17 franchises sold. Um, mm-hmm. So these teams are like. Uh, you know, metaphor would be a sports uh, pro sports franchise. Um, they are out there and competing in these leagues and creating content and building up fan bases and interacting with the gaming community. Uh, and so the the marketplace as a whole is just exploding at a at an incredible rate. In fact, uh, I'm going to email you right now uh, the the pitch deck. There, some of it won't make. Um, a lot, not a pitch deck, sorry, just the presentation I gave. A lot of it won't necessarily make sense because it's meant to be <laughs> it's meant to be talked through, but it'll give you an idea. Right. And there's at least some images that will uh, provide some um, context for you. So these basically, it's just exploding from what it was. I was when I was experiencing that, just baby baby version of it, and now everyone's like becoming like to be an e like an esports individual is to play competitively games correct correct and to take it a little bit further is that you know to officially have that title you probably need to actually be competing in like legitimate events you know where there's a prize pool okay so here here's where it got me here's where it threw me from my intro into the industry back out and then looking back on it is i esports was directly tied to sports only games in my head so that was my 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 bad, right? So like in my head, the only time anyone would use esports is when we're playing Madden or something like that. So I'm like, wait, is this just like football? And then people keep using the words leagues, and I'm like, wait, because the stuff I don't play sports games. Sorry, I'm not interested in them at all. I am first person shooter guy. That's what I do, right? So when you said esports, I love that it's like referring the term has matured and grown and adjusted, and now it's referring to anyone who's playing digitally. Is that correct? That's correct. And actually it's, it's so funny you talk about the sports games because the, the, the guys that are, uh, so there's kind of two factors to it. One is PC gaming versus console gaming. And that is its own little, uh, section of, uh, they, you know, PC gamers kind of hold their nose up at, at console gaming to some degree. Oh, likewise, <laughs> yeah, li- likewise, uh, the people who play league of legends, Dota, um, Counter-Strike, uh, Call of Duty, Overwatch, the actual technical esports titles also kind of hold their nose up at uh, those guys who, who play sports games as well. 
I love how diverse it is. It's just like life, <laughs> right? Like everybody segments and then they all like, my way is better. So it's it's super interesting uh, how they all are falling, falling under the, and I love how money has gone into this. Like I love that this, we live in a lot, like in a world where like, this is a thing. Oh man, it's not, and it, it's not a little bit of money either. It's it's a whole lot. So I I just shot you the uh, the 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 deck for the presentation I gave. You don't have to like go into it in detail, but like I think the second or third page in it uh, is a picture of Madison Square Garden. Um, that was a League of Legends championship sold out in four minutes. The entire arena is sold out to watch these kids compete. Whoa! Just to just to spectate. Correct. There, yeah. There's way more spectators now than there are players. Yeah. When I saw, I started playing around with Twitch and, uh, okay. yeah. and I, I noticed this is a phenomenon like for me that the spectator concept and well, you know, at the same time I would sit there and play games all day and people would sit on the couch and not play and watch, but I'm a player, man. I'm not a spectator. I'm a player. Absolutely. And, and Twitch, man, Twitch has just got Amazon bottom for like a billion dollars, maybe in 2014, I think. And Talk about a steal. Uh, Twitch would probably be like at least five billion, if not ten or fifteen by now, if they were still a standalone service. I saw one of the East, one of the services they stopped because of uh, they stopped taking Bitcoin because of all the issues with the increased transaction fees and stuff like that. And I think they switched to like Ethereum or Litecoin. Does Twitch accept any of the digital currency? That's a good question. Um, I, I, so I only subscribe to one channel on Twitch. And in fact, that, that one channel, actually the guy, he's probably one of the most popular, or he is the most popular streamer on Twitch. He just had this like breakdown on his channel and, mm -hmm. uh, he, he, he basically admitted to like infidelity and, and took his stream down. So now I, I canceled my, my subscription, but mine is just <laughs> with, with, a, with a credit card. I'm not even sure if they accept, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they, uh, accept Bitcoin. I think Amazon accepts Bitcoin as a whole. So I'm pretty sure that probably works. Is the crypto a big way to communicate value or exchange value in the esports world? You know, it it is, but I would say it's only like marginally more widespread. Like it is more widespread than just in the general population, but not that much more. Um, I think there's kind of a misconception that if you're involved in esports, like you're more technical, but like really that's, that's, I have found that not to necessarily be the case because you're, you're, you know, just because you're, uh, a gamer doesn't really mean that you're into all things technology. You're typically just into like building a really awesome PC with cool components and making it look cool. Uh, and so there, there is, there's a ton of potential use cases in esports for crypto, just like there is for use cases like in everything, but mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's probably a little bit more, um, widespread in, in the gaming industry, but not much. Interesting. Yeah. Cause I mean, when it comes down to it, sports are your ability to move your body, right. And synchronization with the, uh, your other body parts. And there's no computer code or anything super technical about that. If you move your body to kick a ball, you can move your body to press a button, right? Exactly. Yeah, look at here. It looks like uh, I'm opening the uh, PDF you sent. It looks like close to a billion dollars in esports revenue streams globally. That's gonna that's gonna kick up a lot. Oh yeah, on one of the slides right before that, I, I just made up a graph I'm like we love up and to the right. <laughs> you know, I mean, in, in, in decks, you can just put like a generic like hockey stick curve for basically everything. <laughs> oh my God, your handles cash flow. Yes. 
you know, it's kind of funny. It took me a while to like fully commit to that, especially like, you know, I'm going to send my email to a really sophisticated investor at, you know, Andreessen Horowitz or something. And they're going to be like, wow, this guy is an idiot. But you know what? I, I went, you know, I said, look, I'm in the gaming space. If someone doesn't like it, that I use my gaming handle <laughs> as, you know, my email, well, then they're probably just not a good fit for, for me anyway. Um, but yeah, I went all in and some people call me Mark in real life, but on the, on the internet, it's, it's cash flow. No, that's awesome. And honestly, you know, you have to stand out and differentiate yourself. And if you can do that without negatively affecting your brand, then it's usually, it's usually a, a good differentiator, right? So you're, you're, it's not some sexual name, right? <laughs> it's not some yeah, sort exactly. of offensive name. And actually, if I'm an investor and I'm going to invest in any gamer handle ever, I want the guy, to, his name to be Cashflow because Cashflow is on his mind. He wants to generate <laughs> revenue. <laughs> You know, what's so awesome is on Instagram, like I have that name with like no letters or numbers or anything. Mm -hmm. So like I get, I get randomly tagged all the time by just like by either people misspelling the real word yeah. or, or whatever. Uh, but you know, it's, it's, I can't, I, I'm, I, I'm still amazed that I have it on Instagram without any letters or numbers. Right. It's really hard to do now. I know. It's like how Gary V has that Gary. It's like, oh, you like him? Uh, yeah, I do. I, I, uh, it's you, you know, you almost, it's probably impossible to be paying attention to social media today and not have stumbled across uh, Gary V. Yeah. Uh, and so I, I, I do, I do like him. I mean, if anything, golly, the guy is just, he puts out a lot of content, doesn't he? He puts out a lot of content. You apply any of his uh, heuristics or ideas to, to what you're doing with the esports? Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, one thing that, uh, you know, I, I don't know that I inherited this from Gary Vee, but he probably like reinforced it, is that I've always been kind of a uh, like grip it and rip it guy. Mm -hmm. uh, and so like, you know, I, I, it doesn't, I will think about something for a little bit. And then if I think it's a good idea, like I am going to do it. I have a severe bias towards action, which, you know, sometimes can be, can be detrimental and not, you know, it definitely can, can hurt sometimes to be that like that. But, uh, you know, I will, uh, get into something and go full speed ahead pretty quickly. So, you know, he kind of emphasizes that as well. And then I'd say the, the other thing that, uh, I kind of get reinforced from him is that, you know, I don't really have any, natural, no natural talents or abilities, like almost everything that I do or that I might even be considered good at, like I really had to grind, uh, to get, to get it. Uh, and so like, I'm big believer in one foot in front of the other and you must, you know, you don't stay the same, you either get a little bit worse or you get a little bit better every day. And so, uh, you know, like repeated, um, pounding at the door is, is something that I, I really hold to. Right. I mean, I will, I will keep going till I get there. Nice. You're persistent. I, I often like to say Gary V is my spirit animal. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not a bad, bad, uh, bad trait to have. I mean, you know, he's probably, he's, he's probably pretty demonstrative and he does the way he does things is very much is very much him, but there's certainly a lot to be taken away from it that can help a lot of people. And I'm pretty sure he does help a lot of people. Oh, absolutely. I have here on my notes that you've got some experience with this uh, MVP epidemic. 
<laughs> yeah, so that's actually how you and I met in the first place, uh, chatting it up on the uh, on the interweb. So so good job on your content. We were we were talking in the comments. Yeah, yeah. Oh hell yeah! Good job on your uh, content marketing because you targeted me, who is is a CTO uh, and was on a topic that is like very relevant to me, and so uh, you scooped me up in that net very effectively, and here we are today. It's all about bringing that value, though. I can't go back in time and help myself 10 years ago and give myself advice, right? Like, I can't do that. But there's another generation coming up, and it's only growing, and it's only getting bigger. You know, there's only more technology people coming. And like you can see with the growth in even your industry and every other one that's powered by technology, which is basically everything, right? And and then I want to give all those individuals value so that they can at least, you know, you can't do the work for them, but you can kind of, you know, give them give them your experience and say, look, here's what I did and here's how it turned out. And so, you know, there's, there's your value, right? For sure. Um, so it like, so what our conversation got, uh, how our conversation got started is, uh, you had posted the article about the spaghetti code MVP and how basically, uh, people, um, are launching a product and they're basically masking like this crappy code base, like with the excuse that it's the MVP. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and I totally agree with that. Like, I think that is an actual thing that is, is happening all too frequently. Um, my, so what got me involved in the conversation was that for that specifically, I think the context of where that idea or product or company is in their life cycle is like very relevant to evaluating how much of you is like actually uh, making an excuse for crappy code versus like actually um, trying to get something out there. Because for me, I know, so we're, we are, we're supposed to launch on, on January 1st and we're, we're behind, we're, we're going to launch a week late, which, you know, in the grand scheme of things, not that big of a deal. Uh, but like, I can definitively tell you right now that our code base is not in amazing, like it is not uh, like this, like perfect machine of, of well-documented and, and perfectly running code. Like we are, we are going so fast right now because I need to get a product out into the market so that I can start building things based off what I know people need and like versus what I think they do, right? Because right now the concept is what I think people will like, but until it's out there and I have a hundred, 500,000 people using it and getting feedback, like I don't even know if what I'm building is, is the right thing yet. And so, you know, for me, I could sit here and right now I could delay launch by a month and go back and clean up and like refactor and, and make our code way better. Um, but like, I'm actively choosing not to do that right now, because for all I know in six weeks or two months from now, we might be like, okay, like here's the feedback we've gotten, uh, and to touch on another topic that you, uh, uh, have written about, <laughs> let's, let's just go ahead and rewrite this whole thing now, because we now we have much more intelligence on, uh, what we actually need to be making. Okay. So I, I love, I love that you're bringing this up. This is, this is going to be good. We're going to disagree, agree, and then love each other and high five. All right. So th there's, there's two points. The first one is uh, just a counter argument to doing things right the first time. So, and I'll, and I'll, I'll explain. So if you had, and I don't know your composition of your development team, I don't even want to know right now if you're an engineer, like I don't want to know, but if you had the uh, like great people 
doing it right, then I submit to you that you wouldn't need to have major rewrites and need to even think about going back and cleaning it up. Second point would be involving, this is a thing that I do. And this is a mistake. So here's a mistake I was making and here's what the end result was, the value that came out of it. I was building stuff and then bringing it out to people and saying, you know, what do you think? What do you think? And then getting feedback and going, I was able to shorten that life cycle by first going out to the people, bringing them into the like sort of sketching wireframing design and figuring it out. Then I was able to skip a development cycle by actually not making the product and instead doing it with sketches and saying, all right, this is what we're going to do. How's that going to be useful? Oh, well, I don't want that. I want this, you know, things like of that nature. So that was like a little trick I accidentally stumbled into. And now that's how I always do it. I, I think that's fantastic. So, um, so let me, so the first, the first thing you mentioned about, uh, being built right the first time, I, I 100% agree with that. The caveat there is that, you know, specifically what you're building from the get go. So for example, we started this project, um, probably 10 weeks ago, but our scope has changed, um, for several different reasons, but our scope has changed between when we first started and today. Uh, and so that of course, um, can make things a little bit more complicated. And then to your point about the second part about, uh, like going out and designing, that's exactly what, that's almost exactly what I did. We, I took wireframes out. I said, Hey guys, what do you think about this? What are the things you need? But to some degree there was only like, I probably spoke with maybe like, I don't know, call it 55 or 60 people that I either reached out directly to on Twitter or in a Facebook group or something like that. Uh, and that was like the basis for a lot of, of what we are currently making, but at like, and I think that's really great. And hopefully that does save us some time in the long run, but like in terms of getting to, you know, a significant growth stage or like meaningful revenue or whatever, you know, that those are kind of our particular metrics, but whatever you're trying to get to, um, you know, d- depending on what your price point is and all that stuff, it, again, even with 75 people, you may or may not have made something that's actually going to have product market fit, like right as soon as you build it. Right. I mean, I, I, it'd be awesome if you made something like right away and it's like, yeah, this is perfect. When we build it the first time, I am probably not smart enough to do that. It's all a conversation, right? And it's just, we're two different, completely different people just trying to, to bring it together and bring some value. So one, one point I like to make after having those comments in the spaghetti code MVP is I like to detach the quality of the code versus the value of the features that you're bringing to market. I look at them separately. So like I can have a completely solid code base that's done reasonably well, right? That's reasonably maintained and reasonable quality, balanced with time, budget, and skills, right? And then that I, I look at that detached from the features that will make my application bring value to the market. Because in my mind, they're separate. That's an interesting concept. I don't think I've ever articulated that that concept in my head before. So that's that's interesting. Yeah, because everyone merges them together. I didn't realize I didn't have that explanation until just now. That was like on the fly. But that is the what I felt inside. <laughs> that's like what I felt inside for so long. And thank you, Mark, for letting me get it out. 
Hold on, hold on. You, you need to write that down. And that is a great little piece of short form content right? for an Instagram post right there. That that's that's a little chunk of gold right there. Done. No, so 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 then I I think also with you in the market, I man, 75 people, that, that's a lot. That's great. I, I think that when you go through that, that was the most right thing to do. Uh, and I would be surprised if you were able to identify value that you bring into the market and then you're able to build a version one and then bring it out into the market to like test it and let people use it and it not bring value, right? Correct. Yes, that is fingers crossed. Yes. So you're, you, I don't think it's fingers crossed. I think it's like logical. If you went out and you surveyed the market and you said, all right, well, here's where the value needs to be brought, right? Here's where we bring significant value. Here's the the gap that we're filling, the need that we're solving, right? And then you go build it. You will have a reasonable amount of success. I think the big variables there is how scalable is it in this, not, mm-hmm. not in the sense of the code structure. How scalable is it in the sense of uh, a problem? Like how big is the problem? So if you, if you go to, you know, design a tool that is only ever sellable to 40 people on this planet, you could have a hundred percent market penetration and like not be a company. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah, no, absolutely. I guess it depends on how much you charge them, right? If you're, if you, you know, if it's a million bucks a year, then that might be a halfway decent, a decent company. But yeah, I get what you're saying. Right. Or maybe it's collectively you're charging them 10 grand a year, but your costs on it are a thousand. It's still a business. It's massively profitable. Right. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, I, th- I think so. Kind of what you're touching on there is, you know, it's so funny because you like you go and you talk. I've talked to I talked to so many people and so many people have so many different opinions. Uh, and yet we're all our own person in the world. And like ultimately, like until we actually get in there and start mixing it up and doing it, like all of the things that come around, like are are it's so hard to take advice, especially from like all these brilliant people. So like, for example, uh, Warren Buffett and like Jeff Bezos, Elon Musk, these guys talk about focus so much as like a thing, right? Mm-hmm. Yet at the same time as the CTO, uh, slash main, you know, the, the, oh, I own the entire company, right? It's I'm funding it all and everything. Like I'm in charge of everything. Like I, I quite literally, can't focus on like such a, a, a singular thing. And I'm using focus as an example, tying back into all the stuff you hear. Um, and so in regards to the market size and opportunity are my general, the general, um, I guess, strategy, and then we can talk about the individual tactics here, but the general strategy is like, look, I don't think the first version of my concept is like enough to capture this massive market share and be this billion dollar company. But I also know that we have to start somewhere. And if, and if we try to go too global from the get go, we might, we might go horizontal instead of going vertical. Mm. Um, it's like my, my, my tactics are based on the idea that I need to embed myself deeply vertical. It's like starting with some things that potentially don't even scale, right? We've got this software platform, but like there's going to be a lot of agency type services that we're offering because like I have to like get people to love the brand. Like I will bend over backwards and like spend way too much time on a single customer to make sure that like 
the brand and myself goes like deep, deep there. Um, and then like, you know, now six months, a year out. Yes. I have those big stretch, stretch goals and like grand ideas, um, that, that are always there. And, and we periodically check to make sure we are working towards that. Uh, but it's kind of like a, a fine line, right? I mean, if you go too, too wide, then you risk like never getting any penetration anywhere. And if you go too deep without that grand idea, to your point, you're certain, you know, you've got a product for 10 bucks a month and you're servicing 40 people who actually find value in it, which it just doesn't leave you much room to grow. So yeah, it's just, there's so many, there's so many things to like factor and, and do and golly, just talking about it makes me realize why, <laughs> why it's really, really hard to be an entrepreneur, right? <laughs> I agree. It's super difficult, but let's, uh, let's step outside of it and see how we can simplify it so that we can actually, you know, get things done. Mm -hmm. Right. Like with, with all the distractions and all the shiny objects, where do we place our focus? And that's exactly what these billionaires that you referenced are, are bringing up. So here's how I do it. Uh, and it's by no means perfect. So I have this belief, this thing that I found to be true, that the only reason a business exists is, and the only re the only way it can exist is by bringing uh, value to a market. So now we have this like real simple concept, like Elon Musk's first principles that we can then reason up for. Like we know that that is true. There's no healthy companies that are able to exist long term that do not bring value to the market. They all do in some way. You just have to figure out what type of value that is, right? So Correct. if you look at it from that perspective, I can look at any company and I could say, basically, if they, if they have problems and looking at companies with problems and looking at companies that are new and want to get funded are two things that I do a lot with some venture capital groups. So I always go in there with the same thing. I say, what is the market? And I use this analogy. I say, you have, you have a lemonade stand, right, Mark? You have a lemonade stand. You got two options. The first option is you can build the lemonade stand in a field where there is a path and then you can go put a sign on the path and convince people to walk over into your big empty grass field and purchase some lemonade. That's option one. Option two is you can find a crowd of people, burrow your way through the center of the crowd and construct a lemonade stand. Which do you prefer? You prefer the second one because it's distribution's the hardest problem anyone ever has. The district, right. if, if you put that lemonade stand in the middle of that crowd, right, then you are solving your distribution problem. And so then, so that's, that's what I like to talk about distribution when you're, when you're identifying a market, that's what I talk about. How, you know, find that market, find where all the eyeballs are. Gary Vee says, if you know, find where all the attention is and then place yourself inject, create value that can be injected into the existing market rather than trying to create your own market. So the way you could, you know, the second part of that would be like when you talk about the business, the lemonade stand, that's when you have to identify the value. So the first thing I like to do is identify the group of people and the general idea. So like if I were East, if I were like esports company, I'd say, okay, well, I want to do some, something in esports and here's the group of people. And there's a large, large group of these people. And you even sent me demographics, like how many there are. And now I want to go stand in the center of them. And start talking to them and find out what's what's the common theme between all of them. Where's the place where I can bring them value? And then once I figure out how to bring them value, then it's just an execution thing. Because, because we're relying on these basic first principles of thinking, we understand the 
principles of business and that if you bring value into a market and the market deems it valuable, they will consume it. And then everything else is sort of like, you know, fairly easy in the sense that you just have to execute it. Man, I think I think it's so spot on and and I'll, I'll be gosh darned if you didn't, you know, I'm I'm more I'm yeah, I go through I'm like a roller coaster, right? Like I'll right. go through like periods where I'm like real stressed out and then like I'll have conversations like these, or like thought processes like these that like bring me back down to earth and I'm like, okay, we're we're good. Um so like I I agree with pretty much everything you said. And it actually leads me to wonder. So, you know, going back to all the information that swirls around all things. So the phrase build it and they will come. I, I have no idea how that phrase is still uttered because it's just so not true in my experience. It's build it and then make sure millions or billions of people know about it and then they will come. <laughs> like, like, exactly. build it and like, it's like, I don't understand how build it and they will come is still a phrase that's even spoken. Uh, because like, yeah, like distribution is the key, right? Yeah. If we all had unlimited marketing budgets, distribution is probably not that hard, but, uh, when you're on like a shoestring budget and you're trying to bootstrap a startup district, like how can you actually get distribution like effectively and like get a massive bang for your buck is, um, is huge. And so for, for origin, I am like 95% confident that our, our current model will will provide value for people and will be will be used uh the the existing um options are not like super super great um and so so yeah i mean i think i think you're really spot on there yeah so so for each business that i'm a part of i have in in my mind there's one thing there's only one thing there's one macro value that they bring okay and then Whenever there's stress or I get calls from the CTOs or I get calls from the people and they say, oh, we're stressed about this, this, that, or that. I said, look, all right, deep breath time. What's the one thing that you do? Like, what is the reason that your company exists? We go back to that one piece of macro value and just say, look, in the long term scheme of things, like, does this really matter? Like, are you hitting that value? Like, put, take your focus off the details of what's going wrong and put it back on the value and then see if those little things that are going wrong even matter. Like, do I need to put my time to this? Everything that we do, when we have, we have a list of projects up on a whiteboard right now. And we say, whenever we put them up, we have tons of ideas. We get distracted. We're like little shiny objects everywhere. And then we're constantly, you know, taking things off the list and saying, no, 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 because it doesn't match the one piece of value. And if it doesn't match the one thing we're trying to do, then we don't do it. And that's because if you go back to it, the only reason that the company can exist is by bringing value to the market. Now, another thing for marketing budget, so you're lean, right? You're a startup. Well, we can leverage the human experience because humans make human decisions, right? They make, most purchases are made emotional and not logical, right? So they do things human ways. And one thing that humans do is they talk. Information can spread like wildfire through a network at an unbelievable rate, right? And, that, and that's free. Right. So all you kind of have to do is spark the wildfire. So if your value is good enough, if your business is relevant enough, if what you're trying to bring to market really has value of the, and rather than you trying to convince the market that what you're doing has value, if it really has value, most of the marketing will take care of itself. You just have to do a few basic things and get that spark going. And John's going to tell Mary, who's going to tell Sue, who's going to tell Mike, and everyone's gonna be like, you have to hear about esports. 
I'll tell you what, if any of these large companies that have distribution software, PlayStation does something, they're, they're a $100 press release away from the world knowing about it. Because they mm-hmm. have distribution. But let me tell you what, if they did something that did not bring value, they put a press release out that did not bring value. We changed the color of our coffee mugs at PlayStation. It's going to go nowhere. The information will not travel. Because it's not relevant, it doesn't bring value to the market, and the market will spread the information. So when I when I talk to people who have ideas for things, I say instead of having an idea for something, like have a need for something. Like come to me with an with a need that's in the market. Say that this market is underserved. There's this need. We need to bring this value. That's way better than like an idea to test or try. Because if the market already needs it, then it's way easier to build it and distribute it to the market. Yeah. Very, very, very true. So what is it for, what is it for your, like, what, what's the, what's the, not to put you on the spot. (laughs) Uh, What's, what's the value that you guys bring? This is the, like, I'm glad you asked because I was, I am prepared for that type of question. Uh, But origin allows you to build your esports empire in five minutes or less. So in five minutes or less, you can get the basic structure and set up for your esports organization done. Um, Explain, yeah, give me some more. I got to understand better. So if I want to start an esports organization, like have players that like I represent, like I'm a, like a sports manager. Yeah. So, so then, okay. So back to the industry as a whole. So if you wanted to create an esports team, right, you are going to have to create a brand just like the Philadelphia 76ers, for example. Mm -hmm. Um, And you have to get players and you're gonna have to figure out a way, are they gonna play for you for free? Are you gonna pay them? Uh, and you're gonna have to get those players to competitions. Then you're gonna have to create content around your brand. Then you're gonna have to distribute your brand message uh, and do all of the things that are basically required almost for any other company, except this one is just a specific franchise in the esports world. Um, and so going back to what what the value is for Origin and, and potentially initially doing a lot of things that probably don't scale in an effort to you know go go deep, uh, go go vertical instead of horizontal, is let us take care of all of that stuff. Right. Like we you'll set up your platform with us. Um, You need graphics. Great. We can handle that for now. This is not really a long term plan. But, you know, as an agency, we can handle we can we can create graphics for you if you need them. Like all of that stuff that you like is is tremendously stressful, especially if you're if your main focus should be on recruiting good players and practicing and getting those guys to competitions like we handle everything else for you. Um, and so, so yeah, like I, I think a good, uh, a good example, pull up rockets, rockets, esports.com. Um, these guys will likely be one of our first customers. Like they're, they're not on the platform yet. We're not quite, like I said, we're a little bit behind on launch, but they will be one of our first customers. Uh, and you can see their existing platform and like they used Shopify for it. You know, it's not bad. It's okay. It's pretty good, but they had to do all that stuff custom because Shopify doesn't, uh, it's not made for it. It's not made for esports. Um, and so, oh, is this for the team to kind of like represent them, their victories themselves or, so what is, explain rockets? What is rockets? 
Uh, Rockets is an esports organization. I think they've got a, a PUBG team. Um, you can see if you click teams, it'll show you what teams they have on there. I can't remember off the top of my head. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, they they they're consider them like you know the they're not they're not a tier one organization. They're not like an NFL franchise, but consider them like a minor league baseball club. No right? way. So got, now I get it. Yeah, yeah, um, and so so they you know they go around they compete like they want to become an NFL franchise like that's their ultimate goal and so Origins Origins ultimate goal is to help them do that um, and so as you can see right here like on or on their site like they they handle all of that stuff in house like them having to deal with everything that you see on that platform takes away from from their core competency. Interesting. I'm liking this now. All right. There's a problem that it took that long for us to communicate this. Yeah. So, so like if you, if you know nothing about the esports industry as a whole, I, it, it's very difficult to wrap your head around. I've had this so funny with GamerWall. We spent way more time talking about the industry than we ever talked about like what we were doing inside the industry. Um, and so, so yeah, so like, so what you're seeing right there is like the Shopify portion of it, right? Mm -hmm. um, the part that you're not seeing there is is the LinkedIn part of it. And, and to be honest, I really hate like using those types like that. Like the I get it. We're the, yeah. we're, we're the Uber. For, oh, like, you just I just cringed. Yeah. Yeah, I I don't like doing that. But like at the same time, I'll I'll be darned if there's like sometimes when you're talking, it like happens to be like pretty effective at getting the general concept across. Um, um, but, but anyway, the, the, the uh, I won't even say the LinkedIn part, but whatever the, the social side of it is that, okay, so they have these rosters of players, right? So those guys are on this team currently, but there's thousands or millions of like free agent players that are out there. Like who's representing them? Like if I want to go peruse a list of, of players that need to join a team, like how do I find them? Where where are they? I don't know. Like, doesn't really exist. Um, and so like, that's, that's kind of the, uh, a little bit longer term goal. We, we, we will start building that stuff, uh, here in the next like week or so, uh, and hopefully have that piece done by Feb one, but, um, that's, that's kind of where we're going. Right. So, um, you know, you have the organization side, you have the individual side, and then those two are very, um, very commingled together and makes it really, really easy. Uh, and then, you know, ideally we become one of those companies that one were in the space like relatively early in its growth cycle, which is always good. But then two, like as we, like our priority is to make sure that our customers are successful, right? Like I want our customers, like if origin doesn't have 50 teams be bought for $10 million or more in the next 10 years, I'll consider this a failure. Our goal is to make sure that we have teams that grow um, fast and they grow well and, and, and we make it as simple as possible for them. Well, here's a question I have for you. I'm going to change it a little bit. Um, yep. We have the organization, like the Rockets, right? Yep. And then we have the, the organization beneath them in the hierarchy is the collection of teams. Mm -hmm. So So one value you have is you provide sort of this, uh, let's, I'm going to say the word consulting style boot up of a esports organization. And another thing you're looking to provide is a recruitment solution, uh, for all the players that exist. Correct. Those are the kind of like the two core things that you guys are looking at. Um, and then the consultant move, that platform would look more like 
um, brand creation, communication of results from the team, right? Like here's my team, here's my players, here's their stats, here's, and then here's my messaging. And that way they can look like the 800 pound gorilla, right? Yep, and, exactly. And so that's what your platform's kind of geared towards right now. Correct. Okay, good. See, I'm getting it, man. I'm, I'm not dumb. I'm getting it. <laughs> <laughs> platform. Um, yeah, so that's what the, so the platform you built today, what got this whole thing started was the writing the code to do something along those, that, that nature, that route, right? Correct. Cool. And then there is, there's, it, it, you shocked me a little bit with the recruitment um, concept. So there's no, there's not a place, there's not like a free agent roster that that's cross platform, cross game, cross industry. There, there's a couple things out there, but there's just nothing that's like really like done it right. Uh, like it's like wide, it's wide open. Um, you know, it'd be like the uh, like Priceline websites like back in 1997. Like yeah, sure, there's probably a couple of them around, but like it's it's. I, I don't really competition is never something that really bothers me. Like I'm more likely to kill this company from way more things besides competition. But in general, you know, I try to avoid competition when I can. Um, uh, and so, yeah, the, the particular, that particular service is just, there's just, there's definitely no, if you were to ask a hundred esports teams or players, like where they would go to do that, you'd probably get a hundred different answers. Oh, so there's like a lots of different, there's lots of different places to go to do it. Um, yeah, yeah. Like, but not like made for it specifically. Like they might hop on Reddit. They might go to Twitter. They might go to Facebook. Like there's not, there's not a ton of options like that are platforms made specifically for that. No. There's no recruitment platform. That's like for all the esport players. Yeah, there, there are companies that are doing that, but they, they don't have any decent market share, I guess is what I'm saying. Ah, so they're not, they're, they're failing from a business. They have the technical platform to enter the data, but they, uh, they don't have the numbers and the brand reputation. Correct. So there's the marketing play there. All right. Now here's a question. How many potential customers do you think exist, uh, in your, your initial platform, the consultant, like how many of these people are actually trying to create these, uh, organizations that have teams? How many of those people are there? Yeah. So, uh, the, for one thing's really important. That number is like growing super duper fast, but in terms of a flat of number, um, I put that around half a mil, uh, yeah, half a million, 500,000. Um, of those, I anticipate that maybe 20 to 30% of them would, uh, actually like fall into the paid, the paid sales funnel. Right. Because the kind of, I, I think it might've been on your blog actually that I read it, but like, it's just really hard to win like the feature war game. Right. Cause like, there's just like, I'm not smart enough to create like truly, uh, patentable, like technology. And so, uh, we're trying to avoid like feature wars. And so like our pricing model is not going to be based on features. Like everyone who signs up gets the full, suite of features that we have available. Um, our pricing model is based on usage. So, um, of those we're, we're kind of anticipating like on a rolling basis, maybe 20% of them actually like falling into the paid category. Interesting. So you've got 500,000 people out there that are trying to create these organizations to have teams like these entrepreneurial type 
people who want to create these brands and have teams under them. Of that, maybe 20, 30% are seriously like have some cash to start the organization. Yeah. And I mean, our, our pricing is most likely going to be around 50 bucks a month. So like, it's not like when you say have the cash, like quite literally, yes, have the cash. Like we're not talking about, you know, arms and legs here, uh, 50 bucks a month to like host, host the platform and everything that we're going to be offering for esports specifically is like, you know, we might move that up or down a little bit, but it'll be right around there, which, you know, hopefully that's not, uh, too much of a deal breaker for people that are like, yeah, we actually like want our own domain instead of a subdomain, you know? Oh yeah. And be able to hook it up. So that's the platform that you built then. Correct. That's not, that looks good. Do you guys, do you guys have a free version to collect those other 400, 300,000 people? Yeah. The, the entire platform's free. Um, so one thing, one decision that we just made recently was, um, we are not going to do like Google AdSense on the free platform. Like there's not going to be any of those like cheesy ads, even on the free platform. Um, what we are going to do is, um, you know, it's funny about this. I'm like telling you everything we're doing here, but I don't even care because ideas are like a dime a dozen. Anyone else listening to this in the future? Hey, if you want to, if you want to take the same idea and run with it, let's go. I don't, I don't even care. Yeah, exactly. Like I'll, I'll take myself on an execution uh, race any day, but anyway, um, so what we're going to do is, um, so a big part of an esports team is gathering sponsors. So one of our kind of consultancy agency services, uh, that we're actually have a plan to automate once we get a little bit more feedback, we'll be like helping these people acquire sponsors. So, um, when you're in the position that you're actually ready to get a sponsor, that also means that you're most likely ready to start paying for the platform. And so, uh, all of our free tier websites, will have sponsor sections, like who they're sponsored by, but that's controlled by us. Um, when they upgrade to a paid plan, they control that section and can put whatever sponsors they want there. So they could easily get a sponsorship for 5K a month from Razor Mouse Company or whatever, and, and then put that logo there and they're only paying us 50 bucks a month, right? Sweet deal. Whereas the free people, uh, the free people will have... Um, They'll still have that, those same sections to display their sponsors. But like I said, we control that. So let's say that we have 50,000 free accounts, active accounts um, that are doing this. Well, we're going to know a couple things about these people. We're going to know what kind of games they have. We're going to know what their rosters look like. We're going to know, we're going to have a little bit of data on their behavior and stuff. So we, as the owner of all that stuff or the superseding agency above it all, can go out and go to sponsors ourselves and be like, hey, you want to be displayed on 30,000 uh, 30,000 of our esports teams pages. Right. And we will sell those spots, um, ourselves. Uh, and we, you know, that's going to be a little bit harder to like start creating revenue, uh, than it would be if we just like plugged in Google AdSense or one of those other like ad platforms. Don't do no, it. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, no, no. Never do yeah, that. No, 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 no. We're not, we're not going to do it. Um, and, and, uh, and so, yeah, that's kind of like the, you know, the revenue model for the free, the, you know, so we can actually cover our server costs for all the people that are using the free stuff. So here's an idea, uh, bring in value as much as I can. So there's this guy who has a podcast and he is a popular musician and I can't remember his name right now, but he's, he produces music as well. And he started a podcast and he, he's got a you know, notable name and what he does is he brings young emerging artists, uh, onto the show and he interviews them and he talks with them and, and 80% of them just pass through. But what he does is 
he signs some of them that he really likes. Oh. He gets to talk to them, he gets to interview them, whatever, hears their music, talks music, talks everything. And then he, so his business is really like, there's no ads on the podcast. It's very smart. But what he's really doing is he's creating a funnel by providing them value, a platform to speak. And then he learns them, provides himself value by learning them and, you know, experience, like experiencing what they're, they're like as artists. And then the ones that he likes, he cherry picks and signs them and actually puts them on a label and like gets them some money. Right. So, so what you're talking about right now, that's so interesting. You bring that up. I was, I was having lunch a couple of weeks ago with a buddy and I was talking to him how I, I see a really strong opportunity uh, to invest in esports teams that aren't quite at the major level yet. There's like so much arbitrage at the secondary level that I think there's a really good opportunity to make money if you can uh, make a decisive, like choose your metrics that you're judging these teams by wisely. And so I, I kind of use Salesforce as an example. How great would it be if you're in a pri- like a private equity company and you own also, let's say you're Mark Benioff, for example, and um, uh, and you can dig into Salesforce's data to see all the underlying data that all of these companies that use Salesforce. So if I'm trying to buy a company and they use Salesforce, I would love to have an inside peek at what it looks like under the hood in their Salesforce deal. Same idea with Origin, right? If we have 30,000 esports orgs, to your point, we're going to have a lot of insight on what I think and the company thinks and anyone else who's involved with it thinks uh, are the best teams that might be worth acquiring or signing to a label or whatever we, we decide to do there. But yeah, that, that is a really, um, that's a really great concept that I think has almost unlimited upside, uh, assuming that we can get to that first part, which is actually getting all those customers in the first place. Yeah. And how do you do that? Um, well, one, one step at a time, you know, the, the first step is, is getting one. We've done that. Um, so then the next step is getting to 10, right? That's not much harder. If you can get one, you can get 10. Uh, if you can, if you can get 10, you can for sure get a hundred. And if you can get a hundred, you can get a thousand. So, um, we are, we're like, I think we've got, we've got like maybe like 15 or I can't remember how many we actually have like actually signed up, like using it our very first version, which was kind of crappy. And so we're redoing it. Um, uh, that's why the launch is a little bit delayed, but then we've got tons of people who were interested in signing up. And so I did like a kind of a pre, what do you call it? You know, a pre-registration type thing. Yeah. Pre-registration. Mm-hmm. So I've got maybe like a hundred and 150, individuals on that list. Um, and so, yeah, to your point about, about growth, you know, word of mouth is something that we'll rely on a lot, but in the meantime, uh, you know, the amount of customers that we're looking for to like validate this concept is not so huge that it's like, it's like out of this world crazy. Right. Um, you know, if, if we're six months down the road and I can't get a thousand people to be like actively engaged with this thing, then like, you know, I'm going to really, really sit down and, and rethink everything through quite a, quite a few times. Um, but yeah, the, uh, uh, in regards to gathering customers, initially it's going to be a very, very manual, manual process, which I, I personally, you know, enjoy quite a bit. Yeah. Well, it's again, like, I don't think you'll get to that thousand people and they're not engaged because from the, each individual that comes onto your platform, the only reason why they're going there is because you're providing them some sort of value, 
And then it's just up to you to screw it up, to you to not deliver on the value that they anticipated. Because everyone anticipates a value before they sign up. I only, I, no one signs up for anything just to sign up. They think, oh, there's some value here. I'm going to sign up and create an account because I have, there's a need that I have and this looks like it's a, it provides value to my need, right? It's the answer to my need. And then it's up to, then it's identifying and removing the distance between those points to make sure that what they anticipated is what happened. Right. Yep. So, because that's, that's the value. They anticipate a certain value and then they take action and they either get that value and they're a huge fan or they don't get that value and they die off. So just focusing on that part right there, that little slim area is, is really the difference between the success and the failure. Yeah. And I mean, I'm such a, uh, a sandbagger. The amount of value that I've promised is way less than what I were planning on, on delivering. Um, and so, mm-hmm. you know, uh, looking back on gamer wall, one thing that we, I wish we had done a better job of was like staying more in touch with our customers in terms of what we were working on. Uh, and so I'm pretty excited, uh, to use like a public, I actually, I can't remember the company that I saw that was doing this. But I was like, wow, that's really cool. They had a public Trello board. I, I use Jira for our, our, our stuff, but we'll have a public Trello board that kind of shows, shows what we're working on. Um, because you know, our, the, the idea here is like, we're going to constantly, like we are working on behalf of the teams that sign up with our service. Like I, I am working for them to make sure that they are successful. So like in quite live time, like, it, right now we don't even have a, a, a test server, right? Like this is getting pushed to production. Let's go, go, go. Um, so like these guys, like for example, our first early customers, like, Hey, would be really cool if we had this, I'm like done two days later, I'm like, Hey guys, guess what? It's up. Check it out. Like, you know, customers love that. We are, we are over our time, <laughs> but I, I, I like talking to you though, Mark. Man, I appreciate it. I, 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 I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it as well. I, uh, I listen to Nightspeed podcast. It's so funny listening to the guy. There's so many of this like similar, it's, you know, we're all just anyone that's doing similar stuff. Like we all encounter the same problem. So your podcast and the content you put out is pretty, pretty helpful. Oh, awesome. Thank you. Yeah, I actually saw that email come across like two in the morning. We had like a thunderstorm and I was like, oh, I'm not sleeping. So I look it up and I'm like, oh, sweet. Listen to Doug's podcast. There you go. Nice. Yeah. So man, we learned a lot. You understand the MVP epidemic. You guys are bringing massive value to the esports industry, and you're making sure that everything you do continually brings value to your users. I wish you the most success in your launch, and and yeah, it was absolutely fantastic. Man, I appreciate it. Real quick, what was that little chunk of gold? It was oh yeah, separating the quality of the code versus the actual features that the users experience. Those are two separate things. That was great. Yeah. Oh, yeah, there we go. Awesome. Thank you so much, man. Thank you so much for listening to the Modern CTO Podcast. Share this. Get the word out. Thank you guys so much. I couldn't do it without you. I appreciate it. You guys are the absolute best.